Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Billboard Charpy Podcast, Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. This is where we look at why what's on the charts is on the charts. Uh, Going to be doing that again this week. Uh, I, I saw Mariah Carey in concert last night, Trevor, at Radio City Music Hall, but uh, I guess I don't want to give you any spoilers because you're going to see her next week, right? Y'all act like this is like us or something, like the spoilers of a concert. It's not, it's not a horror movie. No, but don't you kind of want to go in and not know what the exact set list or what some of the highlights are? Don't you just kind of want to go in and oh, let me experience it for myself? Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like I'm not going to be crushed if somebody tells me she plays this song and not this song. But but yeah, I mean, maybe there's something. You, you never know. Maybe somebody something happens. I'll be seeing her in Philly. Maybe Boys to Men shows up, you know, hometown, yada, yada. So uh, that's also one of the fun things, too, is... Unlike a movie or a TV show, maybe we can get completely different experiences based on uh, who shows up, what's retooled, what's rejiggered. You never right. know. Yeah, that's right. She, I'm realizing she didn't do uh, One Sweet Day. So, uh, yeah, maybe you'll get that, Philly. Kind of jealous. Well, we we'll, we'll only have to wait to find out. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to see Maggie Rogers uh, Friday night at Hammerstein uh, Ballroom here in New York. So I'll uh, give that review uh, next week as well. And I can't believe I didn't think of this until just earlier. Maggie Rogers at Hammerstein Ballroom. Rogers and Hammerstein. Not he had to beat us over the head. We <laughs> he said Rogers and Hammerstein ballroom. Uh, yep, right. yep, uh, yep. Saw I saw it coming. And uh, also, uh, Chartbeat, both uh, Chartbeat column and Chartbeat podcast. Uh, the day this posts uh, this Thursday, March twenty eighth, uh, the Chartbeat column started in Billboard by Paul Grind back in nineteen eighty one, and then the Chartbeat podcast started yeah, three years ago now, two thousand sixteen, March twenty eighth. So happy birthday! Uh, did you plan that? Yeah, I did. Ah, I see. So uh, lots going on this week chart-wise. We're going to be talking Ariana Grande at number one on the Hot 100, uh, women at number one on the Hot 100 for most of 2019 so far. And uh, is that going to continue what might be the next uh, number one on the Hot 100? We'll get into all that. Uh, Plus our special guest this week, we're going to get really, really uh, inside with uh, podcasts, talking about podcasts on the podcast, specifically podcasts on the radio as an iHeart Media-owned station in Allentown, Pennsylvania, They've just flipped to an all-podcast format, believed to be, uh, if not the first, one of the first stations ever to do that. So we'll talk to iHeart's Chris Williams, Chief Product Officer, uh, about that and uh, where podcasts are going, where radio's going. So uh, that's all coming up on this uh, Billboard Chappie podcast. It's all on the way. First, this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, one. Number 10. Need you to go away. Still going bad on them anyway. Saw you last night, but did it all day. Number 9. I just poured something in my cup. I've been wanting something I can feel. Promise I am never letting up. Money in your palm will make you real. Number 8. I'm a sucker for you. Sucker for you. Yeah. Any road to take, you know that you'll find me. I'm a sucker for all the subliminal things. No, I know the 
number seven. Number six. I want to raise your spirits. I want to see you smile. No, that means I'll have to leave. Number five. Please me, baby. Turn around and just tease me, baby. You know what I want and what I need, baby. Let me hear you say, please. Let me hear you say, Number four. It's a moment when I show up, got them saying wow. Honey, bands in my pocket, it's on me. Yeah, your grandma more probably know me. Get more bottles, these bottles are lonely. It's a moment when I show up, got them saying wow. Number three. Then you're left in the dust. Unless I stuck by ya. You're a sunflower. I think your love will be too much. Or you'll be left in the dust. Number two. So you can take advantage of me. Number one. Seven weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. That is Ariana Grande still in the top spot. Uh, retracing the song's journey for those who may have forgotten how we got to seven weeks. Debuted number one, five weeks in the top straight out the gate. Fell down to number two is Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, and then the Jonas Brothers took over the number one spot. Ariana went back to number one last week, holds again this week. And with seven weeks at number one, Seven Rings ties Thank You Next already as Ariana's longest leading Hot 100 number one. Of course, Thank You Next number one at the end of last year, into this year. So it's been Ariana's season for quite a while now. All right, so I, I'm going to go ahead and say I see on the tip sheet, you know, Gary is a big fan of his <laughs> puns and his jokes and his witticisms. And, of course, we all knew that if Seven Rings got seven weeks we would have to suffer through something. So without further ado, here is Gary Trust to, uh, to break down the joke of the week. Well, it's, it may not be as long uh, as, as, as you fear, but uh, yeah. How often does a song title match up with its total weeks at number one on the Hot 100? So uh, obviously uh, a lot of songs with the word one in their title, but one week at number one. And uh, the all-time example of that is this song. It's been one week since you looked at me. One week, for one week, the Bare Naked Ladies, back in 1998, uh, two songs that have the word two in their titles have hit number one. They've both led for two weeks. Back in 1977, Mary McGregor Bill Collins, two weeks at number one for a great song, Two Hearts. Alright, we're not done yet. That's our three. Number one. Number one for three weeks. Knocked three times by Don back in 1971. Oh my darling, not on the ceiling if you want me mm-hmm. Twice all the pipe If the answer is no Yeah, I guess now uh, Seven Rings is sort of the key of this, uh, this odd stat of uh, seven weeks, seven in the title, though. Could age out of the stat next week. I guess it still would have had seven weeks uh, at least, but if it gets to be eight or nine weeks, uh, technically I guess it wouldn't be in in that group anymore, but... 
good problem to have, I guess. More weeks at number one. That's a pretty good trade-off. That wasn't so painful, was it? I, I'll say I expected worse, and I, I almost feel like there's a part two coming, but um, but I'll take it. If that's it, I'll take it. Uh, so the other uh, angle of uh, Ariana being number one this week is uh, women have now been number one for 11 weeks on charts dated in 2019. What's significant about that? That's how many weeks women in lead roles spent at number one all of last year. So we're only three months into the year, and women have already matched last year's total uh, with nine months to go. So uh, seems like this year is going to be a big uh, upswing for women on the Hot 100. Uh, it's also up from eight weeks in 2017. So eight in 2017, 11 last year, and 11 so far this year. So uh, yeah, women uh, back on top this year. Ariana, obviously a big part of that. Uh, but again, also uh, Shallow, Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper as well, and uh, Halsey for a couple weeks with without me. So uh, yeah, we can't predict uh, what's going to happen over the next uh, nine months of the year, but we do know that uh, new music seems to be coming at some point from Rihanna, uh, Taylor Swift, maybe. She's been uh, seen uh, coming out of a recording studio. She mentioned new music. Uh, fans will be the first ones uh, to know when it comes out on the iHeart Awards. Uh, Halsey just said new music by the end of the year, a new album. Uh, Lady Gaga, we think, uh, new music. So uh, lots of music we think coming by women who uh, have been uh, number one uh, repeatedly. So uh, could continue the trend or... Yeah. Does Drake come back with more new music? We've been talking about this on the podcast. Bieber, uh, Ed Sheeran, Bruno. Uh, could it be something, uh, Trevor, totally uh, like Omi a couple years ago with uh, with Cheerleader? It, maybe it, is Lil Nas X, is he, is he this year's Omi? Oh, it, is he this year's Omi? Wow, what a... <laughs> There's a new tip. That's, yeah, what a, what a question. Um, I mean, well, it seems like all signs kind of pointing towards... That could be a big number one pretty soon. That's really the only song that, that kind of is, uh, you could say, galloping up the chart with any kind of... I'm teaching all these puns. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Final exam coming in a few weeks, too. If you haven't heard the song, this is the song we're talking about. Old Town Road. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the Old Town Road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse to the Old Town Road. I'm gonna yeah, just like a minute and a half, you know, sort of viral ditty that, that, that's really taken off. And I mean, across all platforms, all streaming services, it just seems like it really is. Um, certainly, I mean, it's already going to be a hit, but maybe the next number one got co-signs by Justin Bieber, you know, who just said this shit bangs on his Instagram a few weeks ago. So, you know. Really, one of those unorthodox number one hits, right up there with probably Jonas Brothers for who saw this coming in 2019. But well, never mind, yeah. never mind. Omi, if Bieber is, uh, is saying this is a good, maybe maybe Lil Nas X is the next Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, that I guess you could, yeah, yeah, you you could make it, there's there's a through line for that precedent, perhaps. But yeah, I mean, it just feels like a really interesting time because I mean, nothing else. The number one spot feels kind of ripe for some takeover. It's, you know, Ariana is obviously still up there strong, but there's nothing in that top 10, top five that really feels like, oh, yeah, just give it some time. So if Nas X can hold on, maybe he'll make it. Yeah. And again, it's been it's been mostly Ariana. So obviously Seven Rings can keep hanging on. But is uh, does Break Up With Your Girlfriend eventually go to number one? Is uh, is uh, Thank You Next the album? Is it full of more uh, number ones or uh, has it been Thank You Next and Seven Rings? And does that kind of open up for uh, opportunity for uh, whatever's coming next? It seems like as much as it's been women at number one, it's been Ariana. So I, yeah, I kind of feel like it's it's a little bit wide open for uh, for what comes next. Okay. I guess to put some real numbers on this, just to let you know what's happening with Old Town Road. Two weeks ago, Hot 100, 83 last week up to 51 and this week up to 32 so it climbed 32 spots last week now it's up to number 32 so there's something about 32s up in there but just the fact that it went from you know trying to do my seven rings seven weeks yeah yeah yeah, not so easy 32 32s but yeah the fact that it jumped in the top 40 just in those two weeks um you know it really seems like the song has the wind at its back and uh, memes driving this uh, partly as well. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's some in the past couple months, like just countryfied, country cowboy kind of kind of memes have become just a particular sort of genre of meme that's really hot at this point. I mean, this song, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, just plays off that. I mean, the video is just 
basically scenes out of Red Dead Redemption 2. It's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when all, all kids kind of have that little little fantasy play life. And it, I guess it feels like that cowboy imagery. You just want to be out. There's something that, that, that appeals to it. And, of course, the, the line that I got the horses in the back has been taken everywhere, all over TikTok, all over YouTube, Instagram. So, you know, it just seems like one of those things where the cultural moment lines up with the musical moment and it just blows up. All tied up, no more love, and I'd hate to see you waiting. Just below the top 10 on the Hot 100, uh, it got up to number four, Panic! at the Disco's biggest hit, uh, longest running number one on the adult pop songs airplay chart this decade. Gets 15 weeks at number one this week. Uh, yeah, it's the longest since the fray, Hottest Save a Life, back in 2006, 2007. So uh, absolutely huge hit for uh, Panic! at the Disco, years in the making, uh, their biggest hit after uh, hitting uh, the top 10 on the Hot 100 back in 2006. They didn't get back to the top 10 until uh, this song, and now, yeah, longest running number one on adult pop songs, 15 weeks in the 2010s. Also want to give a shout out to, uh, on the radio charts, Urban Radio, Meek Mill being a huge force, getting his first uh, number one this week, actually on the rap airplay chart and on rhythmic songs charts with the song Going Bad featuring Drake. Obviously, never a bad time to have Drake co-sign, particularly after he's coming off his biggest career year ever. But I think the cool thing about this for me, one of the cool things for me too, is we talk so much about the the presence of rap and how big it is and a lot of that drake kind of someone who's been around for a while but benefiting off that but a lot of it tends to be focused on a lot of these new kids you know post malone in the past couple of years xxx tentacion uh i mean it just feels like every kodak black whoever you know that co- that's come up in the past couple of years but it seems like also some of the uh i guess the generation before if you want to call them that of these late 2000s early 2010 rappers they're they're starting to get their due as part of this hip-hop resurgence as well i mean you see with meek mill getting his first top 10s on the hot 100 when the song came out now radio is really embracing him hadn't had a top 10 on rhythmic until this song goes all the way to number one same thing with gucci Mane. we saw um wake up in the sky the song he had with kodak black and bruno mars be a big radio hit as well gucci of course had been a presence you know for the past decade and a half on a lot of people's playlists Wake Up in the Sky just missed out on top 10 on the Hot 100. So it feels like, you know, for me, um, as much as obviously we need to talk about Migos and Post Malone and, um, I mean, all these, you know, Lil Nas X's out there, want to give a shout out to some of the guys who could have gotten sort of lost in that 2010s pop takeover, but um, have held off long enough to see hip-hop come back and get their place on the charts as well. So I think that's a really, really cool sort of, thing that may not be uh quite as obvious to a lot of people in in the midst of all this sort of talk about just hip-hop 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 it's not just new kids it's uh it's everybody yeah and the song back in the top 10 too we heard it back at number 10 so first time since december because uh in big part because it's become a big radio hit so yeah back uh, back in the top 10 meek mill's first top 10 in the hot 100 so uh that's what's going on in the charts uh, this week uh, maybe going forward uh let's talk about podcasts on the radio on a podcast. Uh, so uh, iHeartMedia in Allentown, Pennsylvania just launched, uh, yeah, what's believed to be the first all-podcast radio station, WSAN, uh, dropped a sports format, and is now uh, the iHeart podcast channel on the radio, playing nothing but podcasts. So uh, Stuff You Should Know, Part-Time Genius, Broken Hearts, other uh, podcasts, part of this new uh, station that's based on the iHeart podcast channel. So uh, why don't you find out more about that, just because it's innovative uh, format to put on radio. So I figured we'd talk to uh, iHeartRadio's chief product officer, Chris Williams, talking about that and just get into a whole lot more about iHeart and how really the company's been uh, really at the forefront of a lot of technology going forward in terms of uh, what radio's been, but the way people consume audio now and uh, how that's going to affect radio and its many related platforms going forward. So Chris Williams, our special guest coming up on the Billboard Chappie Podcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Chris Williams, thank you so much for coming on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Absolutely. Long time, first time. <laughs> so it's actually very meta because uh, we're a podcast that often talks about... I thought the same. When right? I got the invite, I thought, wait, a podcast about podcasts. Right. Seinfeldian of you. And, and, and even further, we, we usually talk about radio. So now we're a podcast talking about podcasts on the radio on a podcast. And well, I think I, we've confused I am everybody. I'm so a radio guy through and through. So happy to, happy to talk about both. I was going to say, I could, I could hear the radio voice uh, in you. Do, you. do you have a radio background where you're on the air? Yeah. I just wanted to be a DJ, man. That's the, this all was about was I just wanted to be the next Casey Kasem. And yeah, <laughs> so I started off in radio and was, a was a jock for a while and came up through the ranks and got into programming and, uh, found that, you know, the secret sauce in programming really was being very digital forward and I programmed stations that had some of the first websites and stations that were some of the first to stream and the first to jump on social media and then to make sure that I got my audience off one platform and onto the next before my competitors. And so it was always just a really uh, distinct advantage that all of my stations had was being much more digitally forward thinking than than my competitors. And that, that served me well and it, and it uh, caught the attention of the uh, – folks that uh, were, were putting together iHeartRadio and they, they reached out and said, hey, we want to, we, we need to bridge that gap. Someone that has that hybrid uh, understanding of, of broadcast radio and can can think and speak digital to, to try to bring these two together. And uh, and so then I, 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 I joined um, iHeartRadio here in New York uh, on the digital side about five years ago. I'm just thinking that you said uh, Casey Kasem. You're a big chart fan as well. Of course, we got to ask that if you're going to mention Casey Kasem. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where that's where it's at, right? I mean, you waited every single week for the Billboard chart to come out so you could see what was moving, what the velocity was of the track that was moving. To have, is there something out there that I don't know about that I missed? Who's broken the records for being in the number one spot for the longest? I mean, there's nothing better than somebody like smashing a record and and owning uh, owning the charts for you know 23 weeks in a row. Yeah. All right, so uh, talking about advances, uh, and iHeart really has been at the forefront of that. Uh, talking about the specific uh, station that just signed on in Allentown, it just really caught our interest because you guys are saying this is maybe the first time this has uh, been done. Uh, this all-podcast radio station uh, in Allentown, WSAN, at 1470 AM. So it feels like it's kind of uh, you're going to experiment, try it on an AM station. Uh, take us back to the beginning, Chris. How did this idea originate? It is. You know, there, there's so much great podcast content out there. And, and yet, it, it, you know, I mean, I think we all recognize because we are so close to what's happening in the industry, podcasting to us seem obvious. You know, the, yeah, every, who, everyone listens to a podcast. Everyone knows what a podcast is. Everyone knows where to find a podcast. I mean, those answers to us have probably been um, – those questions have been answered for us. And it's easy to assume they've been answered for everyone else, but that's just not the reality yet. I mean, only like 30% of Americans listen to a podcast a month. That leaves a lot of folks out there who haven't listened to a podcast. And you have to ask the question, well, why, why haven't they? You know, what, what's the thing that's kept them from doing it? And if you're a podcast person, it's not the content. It's not the hosting. It's not the great storytelling. It's not production value because podcasts are incredibly produced. They're, they're just they're, – they're beautiful. They're, some of them are works of art. It's incredible programming. People haven't found it yet because no one's been able to introduce it to them in the way that – 
radio is able to introduce content to the world. I mean, it's still the way that people discover music. It's the way that people find their next favorite song. It's the way that they delight in hearing their their old favorite songs and getting those wonderful aha moments. I mean, radio is still there as the point of discovery for music. And our focus was on, well, there's this great, uh, there's this great wealth of content available out there. How do people discover it? Aha. What about radio? (laughs) There's an answer. And so we built, um, there is a flagship station or a super station, if if you will, on the iHeartRadio app called the iHeart Podcast Channel. And that was the where where we originated the concept of what if we create a linear radio station programmed with podcasts round the clock and then offer that up to the radio stations across the country as something that they could take, you know, in, in, in syndicated form, if, if you will. And, uh, and so that's really how, that's how this thing kicked off was that we, we built that and we wanted to see the proof of concept. What would it sound like? Would it, would it work? And, uh, and when we heard the station, we're like, wow, this is, uh, there's something here. This is pretty cool. And it's, it's great programming. And why don't we, uh, why don't we offer it up and, and uh, uh, SA, you know, WSAN was the first to, to grab it and say, yeah, we want to run with this. Let's take this 24 hours around the clock. And so uh, interestingly, a part of that, when you come up with this new kind of idea, I think one of the things that a lot of people might kind of pause when they hear an idea like, like a recurring podcast channel and say, well, part of the appeal of this big digital economy is that you know, you're able to listen to things on the go and during certain times and stop and pause when it's convenient for you. And especially with something like a podcast that's, you know, way more than just one song that you might catch several times. I mean, this is a, you know, a narrative story that you, if you don't start at the beginning, you're going to get lost. What, are, what were the worries um, internally when you guys were trying to, to decide to go forward with this project? Were people concerned that this was going to be almost sort of a, a backstep in programming, like you're like a TV guide where you're going to have to make sure you start at the beginning or make sure you tune in at a certain amount of time? Or how do you guys, I guess, plan for those kind of listeners to avoid those kind of problems? Yeah, that's a it's a great question, and it's something that we uh, talked about again because we were coming at it from the standpoint of of being podcast consumers. And so when I think about how I listen to podcasts and the times and the places, and then I think about a podcast station where it's you know uh, I I join kind of. Uh, the station, at whatever time I join, the, the conversation is already going on. When I, when I think about it as a podcast listener, um, those concerns were something that we, we, that we discussed. When we started thinking about it from the other side as someone who has not discovered a podcast yet, the vast majority of folks who have difficulty in being introduced to great podcast content – and how do they discover something new in the podcast space? Who's the person who's helping to curate that experience? Who's the, you know, who, who's who's giving it context and um, who's filtering through the tens of thousands of podcasts and sorting them out and doing the hard work of finding the best of the best? Well, that creates an entirely new opportunity for people who aren't diehard podcasters, for people who are trying to discover what podcasts are all about. Um, that's really, I think, where the advantage is, is that, is that the station has done all of the work already, that we've gone through and we've listened to all of these podcasts, and we've um, put them together in a consumable way that encourages discovery, puts them in context, introduces you to the personalities and the characters and, and lets you get to know them. And then I fully expect, I mean, the station's a living thing and podcasts have seasons and there'll be a new season of this podcast. And so just as the same way that you might uh, pick up a, a show on TV and catch it in its first run in real time every Thursday, um, and then you can go pick it up and binge watch it later on a Netflix or a Hulu, I, I expect the same thing's going to happen here. You're going to be listening uh, to WSAN, get addicted to an episode of Monster, and then you can go in and binge watch, binge listen to the Monster podcast on the iHeartRadio app. So it's 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 going to have a symbiotic relationship with people who want to listen on broadcast radio, people who listen 
and discover something exciting and new and then go binge listen to that uh, in the app and then come back to WSAN for what's next. Okay, great. Thanks for introducing me to Disgraceland. That was fantastic. I'm done. I've I've binge watched season one and two or binge listened to season one and two. Now what? Oh, have you heard of Monster Zodiac? Yeah, that's a great one. Check that out. So, you know, it's going to be one of those things where as a as as a way to introduce folks to podcast content, it's it's there as a a way of 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 making the introduction um, from the point of view of. Uh, pre-curating what's great in the podcast space. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, uh, Chris, of how uh, when YouTube came along, you know, over a decade ago, uh, one of the great yeah. adva- one of the great advantages was so. Well, if I'm sitting in my bedroom, everyone can be an artist, everyone can be heard by the world, and uh, same thing with podcasts. Everyone can have a podcast, but uh, that's that other element that well, if if millions of people have a song out or have a podcast. Uh, how do you get more uh, of an audience than just uh, maybe a few people? So that's uh, kind of what you're saying, that curation really, uh, really is key. The paradigm of choice, you know, you give me a million options and I'm just going to shut down. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's too hard when there's too many choices. So there does need to be some layer of of screening and filtering to to kind of help get people, especially people who are relatively unfamiliar or people who have no idea at all. There needs to be a, a way of, of helping them get into uh, the podcast space in a, in a in a really comfortable way. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw in the Nielsen Total Audience Report that just came out uh, last week, I believe. People are looking to uh, platforms and shows that they are already comfortable with to introduce them to content that's out there to, to listen to. They're looking for trusted platforms to introduce them to something new. And, and that really is radio's role, I think, when it comes to introducing people to music and when it comes to introducing people to podcast as a platform and podcast individually as titles. By having a trusted, um, by having a trusted platform of radio, make that introduction, it makes that a far more comfortable transition for folks who are hearing. I hear people talk about podcasts all the time. I, over lunch, I overhear conversations by my friends. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, so I just kind of nod and smile along. What the heck's going on? This is a way for you to be introduced to it in a, in a comfortable way. And the definition of podcast, radio, it's all – it's also blurred uh, more than ever before. An example I always use is I listen to a sports station out of Boston, WEEI, and sometimes I'm listening to a specific podcast that the station uh, produces, but also I'm listening to uh, segments that are aired over FM previously, but I can pick and choose what exact uh, subjects uh, I, I actually want to listen to. So it's it's getting even harder to say uh, this is just a podcast, this is just radio. It's really all just more content at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the way that we got into the podcast space originally as iHeartMedia was repurposing our broadcast radio content. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I was on the air for years and years, and one of my points of frustration uh, was I could have the best uh, morning show of my life, the, the, the best I ever felt at 10.01, getting off the air. Oh, my, I killed it. The interviews were great. The, 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 the callers that I had on were amazing. Everything was amazing. And at 10.02, suddenly that realization of, and it's gone. Right. And I have to do it all again tomorrow. You know, it's just, it was over. To be able to now take that and go, this is a show that I now can repurpose. It's now a podcast. People are going to be able to listen to it for years in the future you know it's no longer just gone you know vapor up into the ethos it's something that now i can get more mileage out of and bring people back into and they can discover my morning show through engaging with my podcast so that's how we initially got into it was how do we take our radio shows and make them available on demand so our audience can listen in a time-shifted fashion. They can listen in kind of a more complete fashion. You know, normally people have a commute window that they can listen to a show, so they, I missed the hour before and the hour after. I can only hear that 30 minutes that I was making my commute. 
And people started to really grab onto that. Our, our radio audience were really grabbing onto that. And, and, and that was a validation for us that turning radio into podcast uh, and the adoption that we were seeing from that was a validation of both the podcast space and the power that we have as iHeartMedia in introducing and converting people into podcast users. Now, as you alluded to earlier, you know, when you're trying to get people introduced to podcasts, there are a million options out there and only so much time in the day. How do you, I mean, you know, there's so many types of programming out there in podcasts. There's, there's so many things that are niche, but very interesting. There's political podcasts, which, you know, could alienate audiences or, or drive sort of debate. How do you schedule and, and determine what kind of podcasts make the cut and go forward with that programming? Yeah, uh, for WSAN, you're going to see that the, the the political part is uh, is left off just because that one is uh, so tricky, and we we want this to be more information and entertainment uh, based. And you're going to see that we pull a lot from our uh, stuff media podcast universe, and those really are uh, just I think have global appeal, and they also have a really deep evergreen. Um, catalog. I mean, there are multiple podcasts like Stuff You Should Know that have over a thousand episodes. They have several titles that have over 800 episodes. And so as we were going through and, and mining all of the back catalog, it, it just became obvious that there's this wealth of great content, uh, both educational, but also just really entertaining uh, great personalities hosting these things, and and that, uh, as much as anything, is what's um, made them made um, uh, how stuff works so successful is just the connection with the personalities. Much the same way that that's what makes radio so successful, and you know, morning shows uh, so, such an important part of the the radio formula. And so, as we were going through, we're like, wow, there's all of this great content going back seven to ten years that is evergreen. There's never a time where, where a lot of this curiosity stuff isn't going to be entertaining. Let's repurpose this and let's bring it in and let's use this as original radio programming because a lot of folks have just, they've never, they've never heard any of these shows before. So you're going to find the stuff that is on there is, uh, is, um, um, Entertainment-based, like um, Unqualified with Anna Ferris, a lot of curiosity-based stuff, uh, like Stuff You Should Know and um, uh, those types of shows, um, a lot of true crime stuff, which really doesn't um, – we don't have to worry about treading on the in the political space. So to be able to hear Happy Face or um, Atlanta Monster, Monster Zodiac um, – uh, killer, those types of things have a pretty broad appeal. So we really look look to those, the true crime, the curiosity, the history, and the entertainment-based podcasts that, that make for a good mix for the creation of this po- this 24-7 podcast station. Yeah, and, and amazing, I think, the, the, the crime genre between, you know, making a murderer and um, serial and all these things. I mean, it just, yeah. we always kind of knew it was there. You know, there's always been lifetime and mysteries and all those kind of things. But it just seems like that is that is like the cha-ching ticket for this this genre in the past four or five years. It's amazing, right? And you know, serial give them credit. They found it whether by accident or maybe they were that visionary. And everything from there, you know, and I think the, the initial thought was, all right, well, that was just really great storytelling in one particular, um, you know, story that captured everyone's imagination and podcast after podcast after podcast has proven no there's just real appetite for every story that you can tell in that space people are interested in it just it's just such a compelling conversation and it allows you to get into details and the backstory of these uh of you know these these true crime tales that you know really on the covers of uh, newspapers or even articles that you read online or, you know, a news blurb or whatever, it, it never really got into that. It didn't paint the picture. It didn't give us the backstory. We weren't able to meet the characters or the victims or the uh, accomplices. You know, we weren't able to get to know them in a real way. You know, in a 12-part podcast episode really allows us to, to get in and tell a story in a really deep and probing way. And it's just the, the detail is, I think the fascination is in the detail. 
this is uh, it's kind of weird. Is uh, this is kind of what radio was at the beginning, a hundred years ago, when you had uh, people performing uh, plays and, and right. long form storytelling. Here we are, all these decades later, we're talking about this advance. We're going back to uh, I know, radio, radio before theater, TV. Right? It's like H.G. Wells. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to ask you, uh, Chris, uh, personally to you, what makes a good podcast? Well, a host, for, first of all, I mean, I, I think you need a host who comes across as authentic. I'll say just like in the moment, uh, my favorite podcast today is Disgraceland. Uh, it's hosted by Jake Brennan. And the guy's writing is phenomenal and his storytelling is incredible. But it's only because he's just real. Like he's an authentic guy. And he says things that I listen to, and I go, man, if I were to try to say things that way, I would come across as such a poser. <laughs> like, there's no way I could pull it off, but he does because it's just – it's him. It's true to him. The stories that he's telling are, are fascinating. Um, it's interesting because um, there are some podcasts that I love that are highly produced, and you know, Jake does a great job of, uh, of that. Um, and then, uh, you know, Dr. Death's another great example of a podcast that's super highly p- produced, and they do a great job. And then there are other podcasts that are no production at all. It's just guys sitting around talking. Um, like uh, Jason Flom hosts a podcast called Wrongful Conviction, and it is a podcast of people who have been exonerated of uh, just heinous crimes, murders, and um and DNA evidence has come along and proven 20, 30 years down the line that these folks were innocent of these crimes and they have been freed and they come on with Jason and they just sit for 30, 45 minutes, an hour. And Jason just asks them, tell, tell me about this experience. Where did you come from? How were you implicated? What was it like to go through this and to know you were innocent the entire time? How did you – and you go, oh, my goodness, this is – uh, how could you possibly turn away? Like it's the, it's it, 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 there's there's nothing I can imagine more intriguing than hearing these stories. I find for me it always gravitates toward things that are uh, are kind of in the in the real world realm, real life uh, stories. But I do I think it's the host. You, you have to uh, you have to click with the host. Uh, great storytelling, and then just. Uh, com- compelling topics, and, and again, it's it's that uh, feeling like you're listening to just a, a conversation that's very raw and real. That maybe the closest you get to that on uh, most uh, AM or FM radio is is news talk or talk radio. But even then, it's it's maybe a call for for a minute or two, and then you move on to something else. And commercials, uh, podcasts are, are really the only place where you can listen to that long form conversation or long term story. Uh, it just it just doesn't seem to exist elsewhere on radio. Yeah, I think the expectation coming in is slightly different. So as you're dealing in in a broadcast medium, um, the you know the, the the need to change topics fairly regularly so that you're reengaging your audience and bringing in you know grabbing the attention of you know one group of my audience may not be interested in the Jesse Smollett story. The next group of my audience may not be interested in Conor McGregor just retiring from the UFC. And the next group may or may not be interested in the latest in what's going on with the Mueller investigation. So you're trying to string together topics in the same way that as a radio format, you're tr- as a music format, you're trying to, you know, every three and a half minutes, there's a new song. So if this one isn't the one for you, maybe the next one is. And we're, we're pulling a coalition of people together. But we're pulling together kind of a, pe- a coalition of people who, uh, because it's a broadcast medium, all have something in common, but they're not, uh, but, but they're not singularly minded. When someone comes in to listen to Gr- Disgraceland, they're coming for a very specific purpose, and they're there for a long-form story. I'm, I'm signing up when I hit play for a 30 to 45-minute conversation about the Rolling Stones in 1971 and what, you know, the, and the, you know, being arrested and you know, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm giving the storyteller permission to take their time and to tell me this story in a really long form, elaborate, uh, elaborate way, because I came for that specifically. 
for radio, I'm coming in to check in and plug into the world, get as much information as possible, particularly when you're talking about talk radio. I want as much information as possible. I want to be caught up on what's happening in the world. What have I missed? What's everyone else going to be talking about? I don't want to be left out of the conversation uh, for the rest of the day. So give it to me as much as you can, as fast as you can, and get me up to date on what's going on in the world. And then give me the relevant information about my life. What's the news? What's the weather? What's the traffic? Um, and then, and then let's go. I, I just think that there's a different expectation coming in for both, uh, for for the two different medias. Almost general level future of radio. Where do you see it uh, going? And and specifically when uh, people say, well, uh, younger generations aren't listening to radio uh, like previous generations. I I always wonder what's going to happen to all these AM and FM towers. There's so much infrastructure uh, that still exists. What? Uh, how long term do you see that changing? Uh, what's your overall take on that? Yeah, it's a great it's a great conversation and one that, as you can imagine, I I wind up. Um, being a part of that discussion a lot. And I think that the biggest thing that I wind up trying to clarify uh, from where where my um, future world view of radio is, and especially for people who have been in the industry for a while, is trying to separate the capital R radio from the lowercase radio. And I think people get a little too hung up on radio as a piece of hardware and whether or not people are consuming the FM signal through a lowercase r radio. And that's a completely different conversation than if people are listening to radio. And when I think about radio, I'm thinking about uh, the companionship element of radio. I'm thinking about the personalities. I'm thinking about the curation. I'm thinking about the music discovery and the trust that I have with the DJs and the context that's given to introducing the new music and the way that we program music that's very unique to, uh, to, to radio to introduce new songs into a, uh, an environment that's surrounded by other things that you love so that you get to know and discover your next favorite song and all of the all of those components coming together the service elements that i mentioned the news weather and traffic woven in as well the locality of radio the morning show that makes me laugh and that i share a point a world view with and a share a taste in music with and share a sense of humor with the assembly of all of those pieces together uh, create the capital R radio, the consumption of capital R radio for us is going up. And the more that we distribute capital R radio across iHeartRadio is now um, on over 280 different platforms from the obvious, uh, you know, iOS and Android to the Alexas and to Sonos to gaming consoles to smart TVs to now we're integrated into the Comcast Xfinity box so people can ask for uh, their radio station from their cable box and, and get the radio station. The more we get capital R radio, which is the content and the personalities and the companionship that radio offers and, uh, and distribute that um, as broadly as possible so that we're everywhere our listeners want to be, then I'm less concerned about our, our our health from a consumption standpoint, even from a youth consumption standpoint, where our penetration numbers haven't changed over the past 10 years. They're still the same. We still reach the same number of teens and 20s as we always have, but people are focusing on the lowercase r and, and not the capital R. And so that's really where, where my focus is um, as the chief product officer of iHeartRadio is how do I make sure that the capital R is still healthy and thriving and that we're back in the homes through smart speakers and that we're reaching people through voice activations inside their cars and anywhere else um, that, that those go so that those relationships can be extended and we can continue the, the um, we can continue delivering the content and the and the personalities and the entertainment the way that we always have and so that that to me is is the big distinction and where i see kind of a difference for people who are looking toward the future and saying oh my goodness people aren't using radios as much anymore versus people who are looking at the future and saying oh people are still engaged with radio the capital r radio um it's just through 280 platforms that might not be the AM/FM piece of hardware that we're traditionally used to, right? And as long as you have that technology, uh, no one's going to give up a, a fifty thousand watt uh, signal if you have it. That's something that uh, a, a, something that's specifically, say, a podcast uh, doesn't have. If you have that as 
part of your arsenal. I can't imagine uh, anyone's really in a rush uh, to get rid of that technology and just go completely to uh, other platforms. Yeah, it's still look. It's still super easy. It's free. It's uh, the thing that people consume the most. I mean, ninety percent of all audio consumption is still the AM FM radio in. 2018, 90% of all audio consumption that took place. And then all of the other streaming things out there split share for the remaining 10%. So we're not there yet. Yeah, we're definitely not at the, all right, yeah. uh, let's let's pull the plug. Everybody's everybody's made the leap. Nah, <laughs> it's the, 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 the usage of AM, FM radio is still incredibly high. Um, but absolutely, I want to make sure that the content that we're creating for the AM, FM radio is being distributed everywhere because, look, the, the, the reason that iHeartRadio has been as successful as it has been um, over the past seven years is that we recognize that as people's lives are becoming more and more mobile, that their proximity to an AM, FM radio was going to become l l less convenient. And what we didn't want to have happen was for there to be cracks where uh, in their life where they weren't able to stay connected with their favorite radio station because that would start to erode the relationship that they have with their favorite radio station and would be ultimately replaced by something else. By us being able to make sure that we're everywhere our users go, what we've actually done is we've increased the amount of time that people have spent with their favorite radio station through all of these other platforms, and it's only deepened the relationship that our audience has had with radio stations. So we've seen our streaming numbers continue to climb double digits year over year over year, but it hasn't been cannibalistic. So you don't hear people talking about, oh my goodness, radio's fallen off a cliff in the same way that you hear them talking about that in other, you know, the, the, the people just screaming uh, their heads off about it. TV usage and no, people not watching TV, et cetera, et cetera. It's, that, that hasn't happened to us because of those extensions that we've offered to make sure that our audience was constantly able to stay connected and was never apart from their favorite personalities, their favorite morning shows, their favorite radio stations, and, and all of those things that they've built up trust and they've built a relationship with over the years. And so that's an important part of our strategy going forward is that we make sure that we keep those connections active. Yeah, I'm a big listener of the uh, the iHeart app. Uh, you're talking about the old American top 40s. I love that uh, those are always uh, on a loop. Love when the, the late 80s. Yeah, ones, the Casey uh, Casey, yeah. Uh, classic 1840s. Uh, yeah, that's a great channel. Uh, but also uh, other stations. Yeah, you can listen to stations uh, uh, just a t c one little click, and you could be in, in any uh, city uh, mentally uh, in your head listening. Uh, uh, and this goes back a little bit, but I remember it was a big deal when – uh, the iHeart app evolved to not just iHeart stations, but other radio companies joined in. It was kind of a sign that, uh, yeah, there shouldn't be competition. This is just going to be a huge app. Let's all let's all pull together and uh, and uh, rise rise all boats and uh, make radio as as wide as possible to listeners, no matter who owns the stations. Because it's in the best interest of the radio audience. I mean, if you had to have three different tuners in your car to pick up different radio stations in your local marketplace depending on who owned them. Ah, what a that's not that's certainly not an ideal experience. Why would you know you know, no one would ever no one would ever go for that. I wouldn't install three head units in my car. Um, and and so the, it was the same theory. It was how how do we create the equivalent of the AM FM tuner in the digital space and how can we make sure that users only need one tuner in order to be able to get all the radio stations instead of having to have three to four tuners. So for us, you know, bringing um, uh, competitive, you know, what, what are considered competitive brands in the broadcast space together to make sure we could be on a singular, you know, dial, if you will, in the digital space is beneficial for all of radio. It, it allows all of us to make sure that we're continuing to put our content out there in a place and in a, in a way that keeps people engaged with the medium of radio, which absolutely just makes sure that the health of, of, of all of our stations, regardless of ownership, um, you know, it, it just helps all of us with our viability moving forward. Obviously, I'm sure you're, as part of the podcasting space, well aware of a lot of the moves the competition is making, and specifically I'm thinking of Spotify acquiring over the past couple of months more and more podcast-producing apps. Um, you know, are podcasts, do you think that is, I guess, the current or the next big content battle? And, and where do you see that going forward as, I'm sure, 
once again, it sort of proves that the uh, the radio guard and the streaming guard are going to have a, a new fight on their hands. Right. Yeah, we've obviously been paying attention to that. It comes on the heels of our acquisition of how stuff works toward uh, the back half of 2018, which was a big investment for us to make sure that we had not only a fantastic catalog of original podcast content, but that we were bringing in podcast creation expertise. We wanted to bring in the best in the business to help. Um, you know, there there are things that um, that that podcast producers uh, know how to do and are expert at that um, might be a different skill set than what than what we're great at. And so we wanted to make sure that we were um, bolstering up our podcast initiatives with the best. Um, with some of the best producers around and just great podcast minds. So that was a big deal for us. And I think that that's what you're seeing other folks do too, is double down in the audio space, that there really is a, a an audio boom going on right now. And people are recognizing that it's an effective way to, um, to connect with an audience, an effective way to build a relationship with an audience, that there's huge demand around um, audio at the moment. And so the investments are going to, I think the investments are, are going to continue. There's there's guys that have been out there in the podcast space for years and years before it started catching fire. And, um, you know, and, and as we're now trying to uh, make sure that we can catch up to what's going on, it makes sense to go out there and find those guys and bring them into the fold and, and so, yeah, it's not surprising to see other other folks doing that as well. It's just a, a validation of how hot the audio space is right now, and and that um, that we don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Well, going back to WSAN in Allentown, uh, Chris, if you ever have an opening for uh, for uh, if you want the Charpy podcast, we'll, we'll take Sundays at three a.m. We don't care. We'll, we'll fill in if you ever need us. <laughs> Hey, look, we're, we're absolutely we're looking we're looking for programming, yeah. and there's no better way to uh, there's no better way to uh, reach a, a bigger audience and introduce a bigger audience. I mean, that really is that really is the thing that we're the most excited about is that there's nobody who has the opportunity like we do to introduce a quarter billion people to the concept of and titles of podcasts the way we're going to be able to. And, and now that that's something that is a real focus for us. Um, because we've seen the audience that has gravitated toward podcasting already. We've seen the passion and the energy that they have. And, um, you know, and, and to know that we can now expose other people to that content that already, uh, that people already have given a pretty huge seal of approval to. That's, that's an exciting thing to be able to go, man, we know we've got all of these big hits. Uh, and now we get the opportunity to, we get to break them. We're, we're breaking hits, whether it's a music hit or whether it's a podcast hit. We have the opportunity to break hits, um, and and this is a big one to know that you've got all these hits on your hand, and all we have to do is get them on the air, introduce people to them. Is something that um, is something that I think that's what we're built for. Yeah, for uh, for listeners and people working uh, in in uh, these various uh, platforms, it's really it's, it's a fun time to, to be uh, in audio and and uh, just all the the options available and just all the choices. It's not just uh, I want to be in, on radio. That's that's the only career. There's there's just so many uh, different ways you can uh, translate that. And uh, same thing for listeners. There's just so many more different ways than ever before to uh, to listen to all this stuff. Well, and it, it's so crazy too because it feels like I mean for the longest time I remember when podcasts. They started to kind of come through when I was in college and they had like a, you know, like a maybe a year and a half life and then it felt like it kind of went away and they jumped back and then the focus was on video. Everything is going to be on visuals and yeah. screens and everyone's going to be watching everything and no one's going to be listening. So, I mean, I guess also in a nice way, you know, that the cool thing about this resurgence of podcast booming is that, you know, we're all not just forced to be in one box. You know, if you'd have told people five years ago you were majoring in audio engineering or whatever, they'd probably been like, oh, you better – you better get on visuals. You better learn how to work a camera. And it's just like, well, no, right. that's not. It's not gonna all be one direction all the time. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely is right. It, it, yeah, it is interesting. I think that it was probably to podcasting's benefit that there was that initial surge, and then uh, there was a little bit of time where everyone's attention was focused elsewhere, and the conversation was all around video. Because I think what that allowed the podcast space to do was mature a little bit. And if you go back and you listen to what. Um, what passed as a podcast eight years ago versus what's happening out in the podcast space today, 
I think it makes a lot of sense why podcast is 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 suddenly now seeing a, a boom. It, it 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 really has come along. Um, I think storytelling has gotten smarter. I think just the 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 uh, the production values certainly have increased. The the bar is set much higher than what it was initially. So I think the initial interest was around this is a, an audio medium that's new and has never before been tested. And so there was just uh, an, an initial rush to get anything out. And the reason I think people lost interest was the result of that was probably less than stellar content being produced. It was just the novelty of podcasts, you know? And then, you know, and that came obviously around, you know, with, with, the, with the iPod being invented and Apple having a podcast store, people were filling it with stuff. Right. And I think while that attention was focused elsewhere and, and video was all the rage for a few years, podcasters had a chance to practice their craft and get better and get uh, smarter and polish up a little bit. And so all of a sudden, a few hits started popping out. And then people started realizing, okay, wait a minute, that's how you do it. And then people started emulating the hits, and they started being influenced by one another, learning from one another. And the space really has grown from from what it was to, to what it is now. Well, you guys have, uh, for a long time, been at the forefront of all these uh, technological advances of radio and other platforms. And as the uh, chief product officer, Chris, you're you're the person uh, heading that up. So really appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us all this insight. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I got a fast car gas up sitting in the driveway. Got a road that I know like the back of my hand. We could head out right now, baby, we could fly away. And disappear out of here fast as we can. All right, that's this week's Billboard Charity Podcast. We have two podcasts that are coming up next week. Uh, one of them, first time we've ever done this, our first live, well, taped, but uh, recorded live podcast with uh, Jim Asker, our Billboard Country, uh, Bluegrass, and Christian Chart Manager in Nashville. Uh, it's actually taping tonight as we record this, March 26th, at the Good Cup in Nashville with special guest and country chart topper, Carly Pierce. So she's going to sing as well and uh, chat with Jim recorded in front of a live audience. So that's uh, that's really cool uh, to hear uh, that. Uh, first time we've done that. And uh, best of all, uh, all proceeds benefit the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So uh, yeah, great, uh, great cause. And uh, should be a really fun uh, chat between Carly and Jim. Uh, next week, we'll also be here uh, doing our, our regular podcast. We're going to be talking a lot of R&B hip hop next week. Uh, Trends with Haley Jones and John Miller from Nielsen. We had them on a while back talking about some uh, Christmas music trends. So we're going to do the same thing, talking about where R&B and hip-hop, radio specifically, is going. It's also going to be uh, 30th anniversary of the Hot Rap Songs chart. Uh, we're celebrating that. So uh, we'll talk about uh, the biggest rap songs over the past uh, 30 years next week. It's all uh, coming up next week. What are we wrapping up with this week, Trevor? All right. For this week, we're going to close things out by looking back at uh, a group who Wyclef Jean accurately called in the middle of the song when they went from a dream to the young Supremes and they would essentially be probably the most popular girl group since the Supremes. We're talking Destiny's Child and their debut hit, No, 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 uh, part two for the, the purists who know it's the remix version. Their first single back in 1997 Peaking this week on the Billboard Hot 100 at number three in 1998. So really the first time that we came across Kelly, Latavia, Latoya, and yes, Beyonce. You mentioned four people. Yeah, there Yeah, there, there were four of them back yeah. in the, yeah, bef- yeah. OGs know there were four people in Destiny's Child for the first couple of albums. Then Latoya, Latavia parted ways due to some disputes with the group. Michelle Williams came in and they continued as the trifecta that we know, but... Yeah, back then, just four girls out of Houston, Texas. They had been on Star Search as a six-piece at one point. Lost out on that, but what really started as one of the R&B groups of the 90s. We had TLC, we'd had In Vogue, we had SWV. So maybe people didn't necessarily expect Destiny's Child to become the the cream of that crop uh, so quickly. But yeah, within just a few short years, I mean, we had plenty of all-time classics, Say My Name, Bills, 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 Independent Women, Bootylicious. And then 
you know, we know what they went on to do in their solo careers, respectively. And, of course, Beyonce, just a shero to so, so many. Um, but, yeah, it all started really around this time, just back 21 years ago. Uh, it's actually a good tie-in uh, this week, uh, Trevor. I was uh, saying at the beginning of the podcast, I wasn't going to give you any uh, any spoilers of the Mariah concert. But can I give you one? This is a perfect tie-in. Oh, <laughs> Okay. So one less no. But she started uh, the show last night with a no-no from her new album, Caution. From Mariah's two no's, here are the three no's from the four original members of Destiny's Child. Here they are, number three this week, back in 1998 with Wyclef Jean. You know it, you love it. Here it is. Make a little money with Destiny Child. Thugs hit a song and dance. They go wild like Texas. They moving like no limit soldiers. It went from a dream to the young supreme singing girl. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakre.